Cities are home to 82% of the U.S. population and two-thirds of the world's population will be urbanized by 2050. As we've seen with COVID-19, cities can act as a catalyst for the spread of a highly contagious pandemic. Today, we'll discuss urban resiliency and how cities can equip themselves to combat the spread of the virus, this virus and others, and how cities can be recreated in a more sustainable way. Joining us today is Julie Lane, co-founder and managing investor of Urban Innovation Fund, a VC firm that provides capital for startups that look to tackle challenging urban issues. Julie, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. So Julie, let's just jump into the dynamics that are happening in cities right now with COVID. We see that some are opening back up, some continue to be shut down. How are these dynamics really impacting um, a sustainable city model? Yeah, I think right now is a real inflection point in terms of the future of cities. I think from a high level perspective, you talked about a lot of the trends that we've seen from a population and economic perspective mainly that cities are economic and innovation powerhouses. There are over 4 billion people currently living in cities. And according to some, there's roughly 600 cities that generate two thirds of the global GDP. So, you know, from a big picture perspective, I think cities continue to be incredibly influential. So speaking of reimagining these urban areas and what comes out on the other side, let's talk a bit about some of the resiliency that you see right now um, that's set to happen. Do you see any patterns emerging at this stage or do you expect that to be more of a longer term play? Yeah, I mean, I think that what we're seeing is an acceleration of trends that I would um, call COVID tailwind trends, if you will. So some of those trends include, you know, the, the future of work and remote work that had been a trend that was starting already. And I think was just really hyper accelerated with the pandemic. I think that's still a huge area of opportunity and an area that we've been investing in quite prolifically. I'd love to talk about the future of work and what that looks like, specifically as it relates to how investors might be able to participate or invest in these opportunities. Are we talking about green buildings? Are we talking about construction? What does the future of work really mean in a practical sense? There's definitely been a push to, you know, what can you do to make uh, buildings healthier, more sustainable? I think that's where some of the green buildings push has come in. And it's a very exciting to see and hopefully a trend that continues getting accelerated. Um, another example I would point out is we invested in a company called Catch Financial. And what Catch does is they provide a portable benefits platform for all workers with a specific focus on gig economy workers. So if you are a gig economy worker, you can uh, go to their platform and get access to um, health insurance, life insurance, uh, retirement benefits, paid leave. You can estimate and pay your quarterly taxes. And so they're really providing this social safety net, if you will, for um, these workers that unfortunately are in a very unstable position and oftentimes don't get any benefits from their employers. I think, you know, as we're thinking about the future of work, we have to recognize that, you know, this is disproportionately impacting low-income individuals in a, a really negative way. I think they were saying something like only 9% of workers in the lowest income quartile can actually work from home compared to 62% in the upper quartile. So I think for us, we really see a big opportunity to help fill in those gaps, especially for low and moderate income employees. 
And we're really excited uh, that Catch does just that. So really interesting statistics, clearly a social impact play as well. Julie Lane, thank you so much for joining us. And now we're speaking about viruses and the coronavirus, specifically in context of buildings. How will we move forward with our new offices? What will the office space of the future look like? Here to help us and give us some insight into this is John Haugen, Principal and Client Director at Third Partners. John, thank you for joining us. Sure, great to be here. So could we first get an understanding of the differences, just to level set, the differences between sustainable buildings, healthy buildings, and green buildings? Sure. I would consider a sustainable building one that is both green and healthy. Um, a green building primarily focuses on the relationship the building has with the environment, and um, in most cases, it focuses around resource consumption, energy use, water use. A healthy building is one that focuses on maximizing the health of building users and occupants and ensuring that when somebody enters a building, for the time they are in that building, their physical health is, is enhanced as much as possible. Great. So it sounds like sustainability covers both. And then we have the differences between green and healthy. So with that being said, with where we are now with our health concerns with the pandemic and even with future pandemics that are being that we suspect will come in, in the future, what are the important aspects of both the green buildings and the healthy buildings? And you mentioned healthy in terms of maximizing the health of the occupants. So let's start with that one. A healthy building um, must have clean air. It must provide clean water, uh, access to light that reflects the time of day and helps facilitate natural circadian rhythm, must uh, prevent sound transfer between spaces uh, suitable for the actual program of the space and in certain cases uh, it can enhance people's physical well-being by facilitating circulation through the building walking up and down stairs corridors that are friendly to walk through placement of plants and um, things that are engaging to the human mind essentially it covers top to bottom any any type of experience one would have in a building you everyone's worked in an office building that has poor has done a poor job on all of those things and that's kind of the the stereotypical office of the 80s um, and the healthy building movement is to create a building that's essentially the antithesis of that and facilitates all the different body systems that we rely on on a daily basis to stay healthy so could a healthy building, in theory, could it have prevented the spread of COVID or could it have greatly reduced the spread of COVID? When you think of a virus like the coronavirus and COVID-19 and how it spreads, 
building systems and how a building is designed is one critical part of the equation. There's really a human interaction component to it that's equally important that involves space planning and how offices are configured. There's also a janitorial and maintenance component of it, how well filters are changed out within air handlers, what materials are being used for cleaning and disinfecting of high-touch surfaces, uh, surface types, um, you know, porous surfaces versus hard surfaces. Essentially, it's part of the building des part of it is the building design and part of it is how it's operated and, and who's in who's inside of it and how they are required to interact with each other uh, I think in general the answer is yes the a healthy building can reduce the spread of something like the coronavirus if done correctly in concert with maintenance and space planning Okay, so if we're, and thank you for that, if we're looking toward the future, employees may be coming back to offices soon, even if in greatly reduced numbers. How can we keep these buildings safe from future viruses? So if we're looking beyond COVID, what can we do in the future to make sure that our buildings are healthy right now, starting today? We wrote a guide to reopening and uh, a few weeks ago, and the CDC actually came out with one last week, and I was pleased to see that a lot of the things we covered were also covered by the CDC. Uh, the, there's a strong uh, ventilation requirement or component of this where building systems should be maximizing ventilation rates. The air filters that are used on air handlers need to be upgraded to the highest standard possible. I know a lot of buildings are uh, do have HEPA filters, um, high MERV, MERV filters, uh, that filter out a lot of different harmful particulates and microorganisms. But there are it's, it's really as good as the facility manager and their knowledge of those filters. They obviously cost more to get a better filter. And so, um, you know, there's also a cost component to this, but essentially filtration is a huge component of it. Um, the janitorial and maintenance component is pretty much boils down to finding a product that is a, an EPA rated um disinfectant, excuse me, a CDC rated disinfectant, and all the high touch surfaces need to be disinfected multiple times a day. Space planning, there's a corridor management component where um, you should never have corridors where employees are passing in proximity. Um, usually this requires changing two-way corridors into one-way corridors and putting arrows on the floor. Reducing the concentration of employees in open office plans, the kind of open office plan trend from the past 15 years, 20 years, has not really been uh, uh, designed with a pandemic in mind. And so there's going to need to be some walking back of those open office plans and how closely People can be sitting next to each other um, and, you know, basically 
reducing the density of employees within open offices. Mm-hmm. One important component is wearing masks at all times. I think that's not a comfortable thing for people to think of, but um, the policies that are recommended by the CDC, the policies that really are recommended, if you've read any of the uh, data on how this tri- this spreads, people should be wearing masks at all times if they're in an office. So with that being said, we're hearing it, and thank you for that thorough review. I'm sure a lot of people are hearing you say great things, they're agreeing, but they're thinking, wow, this sounds pretty cost prohibitive. Could you let us know when you expect these shifts to be adopted broadly by the marketplace, given that there is going to be a cost assigned to these things? Um, I honestly would say I I don't expect the, I expect it to be on a, more on a company level than on a um, broad marketplace adoption level. There's a lot of wishful thinking happening right now, at least in the anecdotes that I've noticed and and that with the people I've spoken with where executives, managers, facility managers, portfolio managers, folks that are in charge of when and how people go back are wishfully thinking that going back now is safe based on no evidence, based on the fact that it's already been an uncomfortable couple of months of people working from home and everyone wants to get back to normal. And I think they're using some sort of gut feeling to, um, instead of evidence. The best companies, the right companies that are going to be doing this correctly are going to be spending a lot of money. In fact, they'll probably be spending whatever it takes to make sure that their offices are as safe as possible. The cost of human resources and the human capital that are employed in the buildings is going to be, is is and always has been and always will be much higher than the cost of any of these interventions. And so as a percent of your staff costs, it's pretty minuscule. So in most cases, companies should be spending whatever it takes to adopt all of these measures. Well, John, thank you so much for joining. We are reimagining green cities, green buildings, and infrastructure and architecture in the way that we haven't before. For institutional investors, this will likely present a huge opportunity now and for the foreseeable future. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. You can even check us out on YouTube now. Thank you for joining. See you next time.